Julian, good afternoon. Hello, Alan. How are you? How are you, mon ami? I'm very well, very well. Very happy to be here with you today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Aces Live. I'm very, very honored, very proud. We're huge fans of Zenith, and I personally am a huge fan of you. I think you're one of the best watch CEOs out there. So always positive, always pushing, energetic, passionate about what you do. And there's a lot about to be passionate about at Zenith. Um, but please introduce yourself, Julian, and tell us a bit about yourself and a little bit about Zenith, please. Absolutely. Thank you, Alan. And uh, of course, you need energy and you need passion. Otherwise, we should never, ever do this job because it's, 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 we don't sell things that you really need. We sell emotion. We sell passion. And I think the minute you see me not being passionate, I should, you should tell me and I will, I will find another carrier. But, I concur uh, with you. I agree. I love watches. I love Zenit so much. Uh, I've been with the brand now for three years. Um, uh, introducing myself very briefly. I'm myself. I'm a Swiss citizen born and raised in Geneva, originally from Italy. And um, I worked for the last 20, 23 years now in the watch industry. Uh, quite a few years with a family-owned company called Raymond Wild. And I joined Vacheron Constantin for many years. And thanks to this company and to great bosses that I had, I was uh, offered positions in the U.S., in America, where I lived for five years. And then uh, in Asia, where I lived in Hong Kong for seven years, before receiving this phone call from Jean-Claude Biver to come back to Europe, come back to Switzerland, and take over uh, this great brand, um, Zenith. Uh, I'm married. I have three kids. Uh, great source of inspiration, these kids. And uh, uh, they keep also me at a high uh, en energy level. So that's uh, that's who I am in a few words. Yes. Amazing. Thank you. So before we kick off our The Ace List questions, we always do yeah. a wrist check. What mm -hmm. are you wearing today, Julian? Well, it's quite simple. It's a, it's a watch that you may know. It's, the, it's called the... Um, uh, Chronomaster uh, Manufacture Edition. It's actually a watch. It's not a revolution, but it's a super interesting watch. Yeah. Because it's, instead of the usual um, uh, three-color dial that you know, three-color sub-dials that you know, these are three shades of blue, exactly like this one, three shades of blue, because it's a dial that we found last year when we uh, worked on celebrating the El Primero movement. We found a very old dial like that. And you may know the story, but I, I got in touch with people who made the El Primero. They are all in their 80s now. And I, I checked with them. I said, have you seen this? Have you ever produced that? We checked in the archives. It was never, ever produced. So I told right. them, let's take this dial and make it a special manufacture edition, uh, only available at the manufacturer. Amazing. So now, thank you for that. We'll get requests in for manufacturer visit, which is actually one of the questions that one of the viewers sent in yes. that joined live. Yes. And uh, we'll get requests for these watches because it's beautiful. I myself actually, somebody bought my Chronomaster 38 original okay. last week. Yeah. But I put on not one, but two because I love Zenit so much. The A384 ah, yeah. Shadow Revival. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I love this piece. And why I love it so much, you guys launched at the beginning of the year in the Dubai Watch Week. Correct. And I was blown away because I already loved the steel version of last year with the Panda Dial. And 
I thought it was satin finished black DLC. But when we okay. got the watches in yeah, and we yeah. cut open the vacuum ceiling, I'm like, wow, it's titanium, which I love titanium watches. And it's so dark that I don't think any manufacturer and watch producer does it. So one of my favorites on paper, it looks also very small on the wrist. Mm -hmm. I think it looks amazing. I don't have big wrists. I usually Perfect. go up to 42, 43 millimeters. And that's also shows me again as a retailer that there is a place for us in the world, the combination of omnichannel, physical, and online retail that you need to see it, experience it. Absolutely. And, uh, the beauty of the watch. So that's something that I loved on my wrist list, my wish list. And then we just got in the ultraviolet. Ooh la la, yeah. Literally when I saw the picture, I'm like, whoa, that's daring. It's like purple, ultraviolet, yeah. purplish. But when you're wearing it with the, again, heavy sunblasted or sapphire blasted titanium with that purple on the skeleton dial on the strap, it's striking. I actually want to ask you what inspired you guys to make this El Primero 21 high tech, new yeah. tech, uh, innovative contemporary case in this color combo? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because we've worked already on a couple of colors, but uh, then we did some research on different attempts. How can we come with a color that's not so um, well known? You know, I mean, black, blue, red, it's been done a lot. And we found out about uh, ultraviolet like that. And, 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 and by coincidence, I have to be honest, we found out that for the eye, this color, the ultraviolet color is the fastest in terms of frequency. So we said the link between how uh, the, the El Primero 21 is a high frequency chronograph. Right? It's the it's the fastest and most precise chronograph on the market today. We said if this color is the fastest also in terms of frequency for the eye, it's a very cool match. It's a very cool talking point. And we said, let's try. And we made the watch. And when the rendering came out with this microblasted titanium, it was such a great result that immediately uh, we showed it to a few people. We got great feedback. So that's nice. more complicated than that. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. So usually I do the jewelry check just with my uh, partners that do jewelry, yeah. but for you, a little bonus. Oh. Zenith Cufflinks that your predecessor, Cherry Nataf, our mutual friend, personally gave to me. So I love Zenith. So thank you for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I know. I remember these ones. Very nice one. And, yeah, they're and cool. Uh, Thierry was very proud of those ones. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so should we start with the ace list questions? Sure, please. So the first one is what watch or jewel is your favorite and why? Alors, it's, um, it's, it's a great question. I mean, I don't wear much jewel, I have to say myself, except my wedding ring. So, uh, But I would say the watch is definitely um, a table clock that I got, mm -hmm. uh, a very nice table clock that I got actually. Uh, from my father, he, my father is, uh, is is in good shape. He's still alive, but he received it from his from his own father. It's a, it's a quite old one, not much money value, but emotional value because it's always been for me on the same um, coffee table, kind of in my uh, grandparents' place. So I remember it very clearly as a kid, and I even remember that one day I, I accidentally I broke it, and I got in big trouble. So it's it's always something I remember. I never forgot. And, uh, and then years after, my father said, okay, this is, you are in the watch business. You are the only in the family to be in the watch 
uh, business. So you you should have this clock. You broke it one day, we repaired it. Now you have to have it. So that, this is a fetish a bit uh, uh, among other watches that I have that I also like. But that's that's the beauty of your story because that's what is it. You said in your intro, we sell emotions and yeah, have sure. a link with what we have the honor to work with in this industry. And you yeah. never forget it and it transcends time. So that's the beauty of it. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah, for sure. Second question is, uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I changed a bit. Huh? I had quite a few. I was quite creative in terms of career. Uh, but I, I have to say that um, my dream job would have been to be a, a professional uh, football player. You know, soccer, as the Americans would say. But uh, we are in Europe. So definitely uh, football was my dream. I love to play. I was turning my mother nuts in the living room playing football. And I was really convinced I would become a great one. Then I realized... I, There, was, there wasn't much of a career for me, so I, I started to turn into something different. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. All right, so I think you're doing a great job now, so I'm kind of happy you didn't become a soccer player. Yeah, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Third question is, who's your role model? My role model, um, it's really difficult to, 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 to pick up one, to be honest. I don't think I have one single. So I, if you allow me, I'll give you a couple of names. Please. Um, of course, uh, when I started my career, I had a great learning. And one of them was actually in your country, in Holland, when I traveled with Mr. Raymond Weil himself. He passed away, unfortunately, a few years ago. But uh, when I was 25, I was really young, just uh, out of studies. And, uh, and this man was around 71, 72 years old. And I started to travel with him. And I was so proud because he was the man behind the brand. And not only he taught me um, the, 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 client, the client approach, I mean, the sense of clientele, but also he taught me a lot about humility. He, he gave me two advice. He, he told me, Julian, you will be surrounded by uh, many people, many wealthy people. You will be in a world that's, that sometimes can be a bit artificial. Keep always your feet on the ground, super important advice. And I think all the way through today, I never forgot that advice because in the luxury industry, some people, sometimes they lose a bit, they forget about uh, where they come from and who they are. And I think it was a great advice to a 25 year old kid. And the second one he told me, and this was in Holland, he said, Julian, we travel in five different countries in Europe uh, during this trip. I learned a sentence or a couple of sentences in every language. And he was so good at that. So he arrived on stage, he made a speech, and he knew a, a, a sentence, uh, in this case in Dutch, and he said a few things, and everybody was laughing, of course, then he switched to English. And it was a great, great introduction, how to break eyes, how to touch immediately with the public. And, uh, and he's, been, he's been someone um, I always uh, yeah, kept in my mind, for sure. I wouldn't be fair without mentioning Jean-Claude Biver that uh, everybody knows. And he's been also, the, I would say, the most recent one. He's been also a great mentor and uh, someone um, uh, also putting the client in the center and also focusing on how we make clients happy. And I think it's something that taking a very first experience and, and the most recent one with Mr. Biver is, uh, is, is probably um, a good summary of, of role models. Thank you for sharing that because our reasoning to ask this question is literally to learn, to share knowledge, the whole reason of the ACELIST Live is to share passion, yeah. knowledge, and information. And what I love about these two 
pieces of information you gave us. Uh, I've never had the honor to meet Mr. Val himself, but I do know his grandchildren, both in Geneva and New York. Sure. And that transcended two generations. And with you, I can confirm that 15, 20, 23 years down the line, yeah. you're still humble. So compliments to you, because there are a lot of people that forget this advice. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So compliments to you. And I think that it's funny that the second and most recent mentor you mentioned is the same. I had the honor to meet him as well, down to earth, indeed humble. And I love his metaphor of using the products and the wearer as the queen and the king that find each other in the marriage. Exactly. That's a good one. So, so yeah, so that's the beauty. He's always, he's always consumer centric and, and, and that's the beauty of it. So thank you for sharing that. For sure. You know, to finish on that, Mr. Bidel, when I met him first time and I interviewed with him, I told him about a story that I used to call the cookie bags. Yeah. And, and, he, and he said, it's, it's incredible. I had exactly the same when I was on the field selling with strawberry baskets. It's basically when you go to a retailer, you go, you meet, you see everyone, you know someone has a birthday or something, you, you, you bring a little uh, gift, you talk to the people, to the salesperson, to the watchmaker, Super important to get the feedback from watchmaker, and uh, we, we basically use the different tools, but with the exact same um, uh, mindset. Yeah, no, it's true, it's true, and 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 it's not a marketing mumbo jumbo you're telling me. So I oh. can confirm, as a guy who knows you backstage, that it's true. So compliments. Um, question four: If you could teleport tomorrow, where would you go? Ooh. Uh, that's a tough one um, because you know I'm someone traveling a lot and I haven't taken a plane since March 15th. So there are plenty of places where I would go. Um, you know, since we're doing this live, I should join you in Amsterdam tomorrow, and we we could, we could meet for good and share a good dinner together. I think that would make sense after this moment we spent together. The, uh, you have an open invitation, you know that, but hereby officially with the crowd watching, you have a rain check. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So the fifth question is, what book are you currently reading? Alors, I'm reading a few, but I'm right now, I started, I don't know if you know or if it's well known in your country. Um, Joel Dicker is a, is, a, is a writer from Geneva, from my hometown. And he yeah. wrote a very famous book called um, The Truth About the Harry Kleber Affair. Okay, it's no. a very cool Enigma uh, book. And uh, I, I finished it already a few months ago. And I'm reading a second one called The Enigma of Room 622. Okay. In a very um, kind of a thriller book, uh, which happens in Geneva and in Verbier. And it happens that I'm, I'm from Geneva, I live in Geneva, and I go skiing in Verbier. So yeah, I yeah, yeah. places. And I have to tell you the truth. In, in today's period of time, which is not the easiest one for all of us, it's a book that when I read it, I really escape. You know, I really yeah. forget everything. And, and it's it's a great feeling in today's world because whatever you switch on TV, listen to radio, you always tend to hear the bad news. So I, I enjoy this book even more than usual. Thank you for sharing. I didn't know both. So my French is poor to read it fluently. Uh, talking about the Bernheims and the Val family, yeah. I, I I saw the press release that Ellie Bernheim uh, yeah, released he wrote a book. novel. Exactly. But it's only French for now. So I need to wait for, till the translation comes out. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, the Joel Dicker uh, author, he was translated in, uh, I don't know, 60, 70 different languages, but Ellie, uh, uh, not yet. Ellie Bernheim, not yet, but soon. Oh, wow. 
I will add it to my read, my read list. Please. So the sixth question is, uh, and this is going to be an interesting one. I hope it's a rhetorical one. What do you think is going to be the color of 2021? Alors, you have different ways to see. Huh? As always, you can see the, the half empty or the half full glass. And you know me a bit uh, that I'm much more about the half full. And that's not only because I like to drink good wines. Uh, <laughs> really believe next year uh, we will rebounce. And, and as far as Zenith is concerned, 2020 should have been the year where we really get into the next league. And uh, we discussed that earlier together. I mean, the Zenith is experiencing such a great development at the moment that uh, 2020 should have been the best year ever. Uh, I'm believing that 2021, despite of the situation, despite of the, the current difficulties, uh, should be a good one. So I would put the color blue because blue is our main color. Blue is the sky. Um, blue is about um, dream, but in a way where you go for achieving your dream. It's about wiseness for me. It's about serenity. And I think we all need to go back to some serenity. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be an easy year, but I want to be positive and I want to believe that uh, next year is going to be a good one. So I would go for blue. Yeah. Interesting. Because the majority said green. Yeah. I write columns. I wrote already last year that the year is going to be green. Yeah. I had a feeling that next year is going to be purple. Well, yeah. you guys are ahead of your time. You launched Correct. purple the year early. And it's funny that it's going to blue. So interesting. I'm uh, very curious to see what's going to happen. Yeah. All right. So although I want to do a little step back, I, the, the most recent watch you guys launched one, two, three weeks ago is monochrome. You guys mix black and white ceramics, correct? Correct, yes. Oh, interesting. Yes, it's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, um, again, a different mix. We were asked for um, full white, full black. We did some edition on the DeFi Classic. And uh, we got a lot of requests for a, a, a well-balanced. It was actually the, the precise request. People ask us for a balanced black and white. And uh, we worked on different... Um, uh, combination and I think this one came out and it's just hitting the stores now very nice I think it's a very nice mix and uh, we yeah, know cool. I saw it I I, I, I nicknamed it the Oreo yeah 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 exactly <laughs> but it's I, I thought it was very fresh talking about that it seems that you guys are very agile you're very fast you listen to the markets it seems yeah. you put the ear on the ground you listen how quick are you guys in turnaround? If you have an idea pop in your head, this black and white, this ultraviolet, how quick is the turnaround time? Because we know on average, the watch industry is not fast. It can take up to yeah. three years. Especially you are Calabas. totally right. And you know, I'm Swiss myself, born and raised in Switzerland, so I can say it. Uh, you are totally right. Switzerland tend to be sometimes a bit slow. The watch industry tend to be a bit slow, a bit turned to the past. And again, that's where we clicked with uh, Jean-Claude when we met mm -hmm. I was myself coming from the markets. And when you live in New York and when you live in Hong Kong, these are two super fast places where you don't have time for hesitating and thinking and thinking and thinking. So I used to be the one from the markets fighting with my boss. And if he is listening to me, he knows my, my ex-boss at Vacheron, I, I used to push them to do more. And, uh, and I think it's super important. So when you are from the, from the market, and this is what I'm asking also the brand managers in the market today, I say, Keep on pushing us, challenge us. Because I came back from the market with that kind of spirit. But of course, some people, they were not, uh, I would say, lucky to, to, to have this experience. And, 
and they need to be challenged and pushed. So I, uh, I give a lot of energy and uh, that's what I did on day one when we shut down the company in March. Um, I organized a call like this uh, and I, I asked my uh, executive committee, okay, what do we do now? We're home, we're stuck, let's be more active than ever. And I think, uh, I mean, Zenit was probably one of the most active watch in the, in the industry uh, for the last five months because I think it's, uh, it's important. So yes, we tend to be very reactive, very, very reactive. Yeah, compliments. We, we notice it in the market. Last question is a bit uh, also rhetorical. We've touched upon it. You've been many times to Holland, um, yeah. even into the country. So uh, what's your uh, favorite memory of Amsterdam or Holland? Yes, so I, I've been a lot on the job. Uh, as you said, Amsterdam, Rotterdam. Uh, I went to even Tuelo, which is a place where when I tell this to, um, uh, to, <laughs> to local people, they're quite surprised, but uh, I went all around. But this was on the job. My very first trip to Amsterdam, I was 17 years old. And with two of my friends, uh, we went on this famous uh, interrail trip all over yeah. Europe. And, uh, and Amsterdam is the first place where I experienced uh, uh, sleeping outside and eating just uh, some fruits because it was at the end of the trip and uh, budget management was not our main skill. And it was the last stop before going back to Switzerland. We had no more money. So I, I, I wasn't really sure, is it safe, is it not safe? Uh, it was in um, 1989, but we, we didn't sleep much. We just had a quick nap uh, uh, and, and a very short uh, dinner and very light dinner before heading back. So I loved it. We had a lot of fun, but I remember it's the first time I really slept uh, outside. Funny. Thank you for sharing. It's funny. So... We have uh, quite some questions coming in, but I think we're okay on time. Um, yes. I actually ha I have a lot of questions for you. Please, um, please. I've seen your keynote that you've done last week, Compliments. Yes. I think it was an amazing keynote. It was awesome. You guys are filled with ideas, um, 360 degrees, 360 degrees as well. Um, maybe I want to start off by asking you to do a deep dive on the new slogan. Yeah. Time to reach your star. Sure. Yeah. Could you elaborate a bit on that or tell us a bit about that, please? Abs absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we wanted to really go deep into the brand. And uh, as I told you, when we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the El Primero last year, I was lucky to manage to meet eight people who made the El Primero in the 60s. Uh, they were all in their 80s, uh, born between 1945 and 1939. And one thing that I remember they told me is, they told me, Julian, it's great to give tribute to the past. It's great to make revival of beautiful watches. But you also have to continue to create the future because this is what we did in the 60s. We created, uh, we did innovation at that time that became tradition, that became icon later. So it was very important for, for, for me to keep this spirit. And one of them talked about the stars and the sky and this kind of thing. And uh, when we were working on, on what the brand is all about, we found out that we have a logo. It's a star, very strong sign, very positive sign. Um, we have a name, Zenit, which is the highest point in the sky. So we've been always in this dimension. And we believe that uh, with all the key people in the past that made the brand, they all were... Uh, people that were achievers, you know, uh, 
uh, goal, goal searchers, I mean, people that were targeting uh, something uh, very difficult to achieve. And uh, the founder, when he was 22 years old, Georges Favjaco, he created the first fully integrated watch manufacturer. A few years after... Which you are still today. Sorry? Which you still are today. Absolutely. And not a lot of brands can say that. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's one of the last brands. I mean, maybe four or five brands are still can still can tell you that 100% uh, of the watchers, they have a Zenit movement. And I believe it's super important, even more today than, than before, because younger generation, they want to understand the content, the substance. They want to buy something real. So I believe it's, we have to keep this. But it's not because we are we are tradition, history, and, and, and full manufacture that we need to repeat the past. We still have to dare to craft the future and to be innovative. So it's it's a philosophy of brand time to reach your star, which is very much in the brand DNA, and that I feel we, the team and I, we have the mission to uh, to to perpetuate. But that's 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 why it's coming there. And I wanted to make this keynote to explain in details uh, where it's coming from and how we're going to work on it in the future. And, and and in a way, if you buy a Zenit today, you sh you will you should be a good match with this kind of philosophy. This is this is what we want to tell our clients. Yeah, and and, and maybe um, I, I want to do an intermezzo in between linking sure. your story to the project actually, where you give content to that slogan. And it's not a vague, yeah. empty slogan just for market purposes. Um, for those that don't know Zenit, and that's also one of the reasons for us to do this show with you is Zenit was and still today is one of the best producers of mechanical movements, chronographs and non-chronographs out there. And then obviously 1969, when you guys launched the first integrated chronograph ever, automatic, um, that, that put you on a pedestal of the highest of the high. Yeah. And actually still today, could you maybe briefly because when I say they don't believe me, but if the CEO says it, they'll believe you. Why is the Alpermiro, I'm talking about the original 400 caliber and also what I'm wearing right now. So this is the 400 caliber and also the Alpermiro 21. So what did, why is this still the best? And then you did another layer on top of For sure. innovating. So could you maybe do a small drill down oh, why it's the best chronograph? Yeah, yeah of course. I mean, of course, I mean, the Swiss tradition of measuring time is, is, is much older than that. Uh, and of course, when you measure time, uh, you, you, you tell what time it is now, but you also want to measure between a point A, point B. And of course, the chronograph came uh, on board. But uh, the main difficulty during those years was about um, turning, it, turning it into a, a, an automatic chronograph and also fully integrated because you could work on different modules, but when the, 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 the movement from the very beginning is conceived to be a chronograph, that was totally new. Fully integrated automatic chronograph. And if that was not enough, uh, Zenit is very well known for high frequency. And this, is, this was the very first chronograph with five hertz frequency. All other chronographs on the market were and are today three hertz. This is the norm. We are five hertz, so we are known for high frequency. Why high frequency? It's not just for the fun. It's because the higher the frequency, the more precise the watch becomes, and the chronograph function works. And, and you asked me about today. I mean, our chronographs are still five hertz. And the one you're wearing uh, on your uh, left uh, wrist, if I can see it well. No, yeah, the other one. Uh, the other one, the DeFi 21, 
you have two engines. You have one five hertz for hours, minute, and second, and you have a second one, second barrel for the chronograph function, which is 50 hertz. It means 10 times faster. That's why if you press the button, you will see the hand doing one rotation per second. And this is why it's the fastest and the most precise chronograph in the world today. So we, we have to continue on this, uh, I would say, um, tradition of chronometry, because this is really Zenit. I mean, we became a legend with the El Primero in the 60s. We need to continue to create new things in the, in the chronometry and precision world. So that, that's really what makes it so special. Yeah, and for those watchers that are not uh, watch freaks like us and that are rather new to the industry, so what Julian was telling us, um, up until the 60s, you had automatic watches, non-chronograph. Yeah. You had chronograph movements that were hand-wound. Think of the Moonwatch, for example. Uh, Lemania movements are famous. Venus movements are famous. And then there was a race in 1969, a consortium of Hoyer, Breitling, Leonidas, and Hamilton. Correct created caliber 11 but they took an automatic module and built the chronograph on top call it a sandwich yeah in the race of basel 1969 zenit was maybe one month later but they were the first that had it integrated so they redesigned the whole caliber without right. computers weren't there at that time right so geniuses made it by 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 their heads by their minds and they created and the frequency he's talking about you should think about El Primeros do 36,000 beats per hour, yeah. whereas the baseline is 28,800. That's a yeah. big difference. So you can measure one tenth of a second versus all the other chronographs in the market today are one fifth of a second. And yeah. which makes the difference. Yeah, which makes the difference between three and five hertz. Yeah, exactly. And that's the hertz. Hertz is per second. So five beats per second. So for those that don't know, but we have a lot of watch freaks watching. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, it's mind-blowing when you explain that. And especially we have a new generation of millennials and Generation Z all educated with tech. And the funny thing is we see a big return coming back to mechanical tech because this is tech, yeah, yeah. mechanical sure. art. And it blows their minds, chronographs, perpetual calendars. Uh, they can't even grasp the idea that it was made without computers. For sure. And you know, Alan, if I may add something, because we talked about technique here. But you also know that around the El Primero movement, but I would say the El Primero legend, there is a huge emotional dimension. Not only because these people did an amazing achievement by, 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 by launching the very first uh, chronograph of this type, but also because right after the quartz crisis came, and uh, you know the story of Charles Vermeau, but uh, in, a, in a nutshell, I mean, this Charles Vermeau was a watchmaker. And when the, the brand was sold to a, an American company called uh, Zenit Radio Corporation, they came to Switzerland and they told everyone that this movement had to disappear because mechanical movements were the past and quartz was the future. And Charles Vermeer couldn't believe his ears. So he, he literally stood up and said, can I be the one getting rid of all the components, the plans, the movements, etc." They said, yeah, you can do it. But he didn't do it. He took every single component, stamps, parts, plans, and he started to hide it in the attic, in the manufacture, that you can visit if you come to Le Loc, and I would be really happy to, uh, to welcome you, uh, to show you the exact place where everything was hidden for uh, years and years and years until 1984, uh, when, of course, 
mechanical watchmaking came back and when someone said we had the best chronograph movement in the world, how come it disappeared? And then Mr. Vermeer broke the wall and made us discover what we now call the hidden treasure. But not only it's a great story, but it's a true story. And you know, they, they need this kind of, of true marketing is good, but marketing is often, I would say, makeup. This is yeah. a story. And, this is and for those that and don't I know, love it. Yeah. Yeah. And the people that don't know the Swiss mentality, they are such law abiding people. Punktlich in German, we say. You follow the rules, and for him to disobey makes the story 10 times more amazing because sure. he really had to come out of his comfort zone. Yeah. I don't think in the 70s, imagine in the 70s, in the middle of the courts crisis, which means economic crisis for the watch industry, if Charles Vermeer uh, gets caught, he's losing his job overnight, which means during those days, there's no social security, nothing. He would not be able to feed his, his kids. So he took a huge personal risk, which goes far beyond his passion for watchmaking. Yeah, it's amazing. Amazing story. So he's a star in my opinion. So yeah. amazing story. Talking now was a long intermezzo. Going back to time to reach your star. Yes. Not being a vague marketing slogan. You guys chose not to use a star lists, ace list stars. You choose people that are authentically day in, day out grinding to reach their star, to be the best, mm -hmm. to be an ace. Yeah. Um, That's true. So we've seen tennis coaches, etc., and you can see that on the keynote. What really stood out for me, what I loved, was the dream hers concept. Yeah. Could you elaborate, please, on that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Dream hers is, is kind of part, of course, of the time to reach your star philosophy. And you just mentioned, uh, I would say, brand ambassadors, friends of the brands, that for, for us, the most important thing we do is to be sure that they are a perfect fit to this uh, brand philosophy. Dreamhers is linked to the launch of the new DeFi uh, Midnight, which is an amazing uh, watch uh, made for women, made for women of the 21st century, delivered with three different straps plus the metal bracelet and with a beautiful starry sky. So kind of an illustration of this brand philosophy. And we said, okay, how do we communicate on this philosophy, especially for women? We created this Dreamhers where, concept where all over the world we're going to have testimonials of people that started from the very um, beginning to their dream, to how they reached their dream, you know, and it could be in different fields. It could be, in, in, of course, in business, in sport, it could be in art, in culture, in different things. But I want to have normal people, you know, like you and me. I mean, we are normal people. We're not um, super celebrities uh, and, and we are doing what we want to do good and 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 these people are going to give us a testimony of how they went to reach their dream. And, and this is really something that linked to, um, as I said, the DNA of the brand and the greatest uh, people who made the brand in the past. So this is, this is a great thing. And I wanted these women to come on stage and to make a talk, you know, a quick talk on 15 minutes, 20 minutes on how they did that, what kind of fight they had to do, what kind of mindset they had to, uh, to, to keep. And, and, and unfortunately, we couldn't do it um, because of the pandemic situation. But uh, we, instead of that, we're organizing Zooms, we're organizing interview lives and stuff like that. And as soon as we can, of course, all over the world, we will have these women um, giving us um, uh, their experience, sharing their experience. 
compliments because I love the fact that you a pay attention to women more because I think we forget that often in the watchmaking industry. Sure. B, you made a stunning watch because you can uh, have different straps customize your watch as we see in our screen right now. So that was launched early this year. The yeah. dial shows a beautiful starry night, which you just referred to. Yeah. Um, and this dream hearse concept is this open where women can enroll on your website. How do the do you go about? Is it is this segment on your website? Sorry, I missed your question. Can you so say if, it? if there are women that are, are are aiming to reach their star? Yeah. And they want to be highlighted by you guys. Is this something sure. that you can enroll on your website? Is there more information there? Of course, of course. We've been, um, we just started now to identify uh, women that will basically give these testimonials. But, uh, but of course, I mean, we'll be open to people joining us uh, spontaneously wanting to share. And, mm -hmm. and the watch, the watch is really, if you want to uh, reflect on the dial with the starry sky of the brand, this brand philosophy yeah. and interchangeable strap system, including. Yeah these few straps is more about 21st women uh 21st century women you know that are basically often have four lives in one and uh, uh, often much better than we do in multitasking and I, I think it's a great balance between um, a nice story and, and a very functional um, tool and it's delivered in a great box i love the box I, I i don't have it here but the box when you open it you have a mirror you have the three straps and you have the buckle and basically, it's not the kind of box that you put in your uh, uh, in your closet and you don't use it. You usually use it as a place, you know, to put your watch, to change the strap, and to look in the mirror how it looks like. So it's 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 really a well, um, I would say, a well finished concept. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it very much, and uh, it shows also the innovation power and the authenticity of the brand and what you guys do. So I really love that. Um, I have so many questions for you and I want to talk to you for hours. I uh, need to keep the time in check also for our viewers and the comments we're getting. Maybe one last thing I want to touch upon and then we'll go to uh, the questions of our esteemed viewers. Yeah. Is something I really, really agree with is with Rockstar Auctioneer Orobax. Yeah. I know he loves Zenit. Mm -hmm. He personally collects Zenit watches. You guys did an amazing auction together. Um, if I remember correctly, and I quote him, he says, Zend will become super important. Yeah. Basically saying it's undervalued right now as a brand, and I totally concur with him. I'm not, there is no question hidden there. That's a statement from my side. Um, I see myself as a role of, as a, as a retailer to be a, um, uh, um, uh, I'm looking for the word is uh, an advisor, a luxury consultant, but we also are a curator. We yeah. try to sell what we're passionate about, truly believe in. And in the end, as a retailer, you connect your name to the products you sell, the quality. Absolutely. So um, I concur with him in that sense. Why I raised this topic is what I found very interesting is that your next project. It's the Icons collection. I yes. think in your keynote, you also mentioned that you guys are going to um restore old pieces vintage pieces and sell them again sure would you tell us a bit about that please absolutely absolutely you know last year again when we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Primero, i was lucky to travel all around the world in 19 different cities plus other ones 
where I couldn't always go. But I, I heard a lot from clients, collectors, watch aficionados that uh, these Zenith that we're celebrating with the El Primero from the 60s, from the early 70s, became icons. And uh, I heard that a lot. And when we collaborated with Aurel Bax, as you said, Philips Auction House, which was also an innovative approach, you know, from us, because no watch brand had ever done that. So we invited them to come to the manufacturer and Aurel Bax, which is a true story, he missed his train on the way back because uh, he was so passionate and uh, we had to drive him back to Geneva because he missed his train. And we had so many discussions. We went into the archives, into the museums. We opened up boxes and we talked for hours. And he said, you know, Julian, Zenit is the next brand that will hit uh, the sky at auction. And I said, are you sure? He said, I know, it's for sure. So he, he made this great article in Rob Report for sure. But we, we, we experienced such a great success at the auction that it was the second confirmation for me after speaking to clients on the markets that we had to do something special. And on the other side, I also heard a lot of people that I know complaining about buying um, vintage watches from different brands, not only Zenit, but buying from um, uh, websites, different websites, and basically not always receiving the level of quality or, uh, 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 of, or, or, or authenticity of the watch. Mm -hmm. it made me think that we should put together this program, which we call Zenit Icons, where basically we buy back watches from these 12, 15, 20 highly iconic references that people are looking for. Uh, we certify, we authentify, we give a two years warranty. Uh, of course, special packaging. If we have the original one, it will be added for sure. And we sell uh, those watches uh, for our clients. So it's, it's a new program that I wanted to, uh, to launch and we did it last year. Thank you for uh, referring to that because it's a, uh, it's, 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 it's business, of course, but it's also uh, offering a very special experience uh, to our clients. Because you know, it's your heritage with the, 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 the present, right? So yeah. I think it's a good idea. Compliments. So let's go and see what our dear viewers are asking. Um, sure. Let me see. On YouTube, Mr. Watch is asking, since the release of the Defy Classic, we have seen numerous releases with skeletonized dials, but not a single one with a closed dial. Why? The closed dial versions get a lot of positive traction. That's a good question. Uh, if, I may, um, if I may correct a little bit, I mean, on the Defy Classic, we also launched a blue dial that was very well received. Um, on the Defy 21, we had a gray dial, uh, but it's true that very um, quickly after the launch, we realized that when people were buying this hundred of a second uh, chronograph, which is very technical with the hand going very fast, they wanted to feel the mechanical side of it. So they wanted to see the, the depth in the movement, the transparency. We sold a lot of the DeFi Classic on closed dial as well, but on the DeFi 21, the demand was much more on a... Voila, here we go. This is the one blue dial. So we do have it. Uh, we might launch uh, new colors, new models in the coming year, but we do have an offer. But it's true that for the DeFi 21, the, the demand was very much on uh, on that dial. Even though the, the, the new Range Rover um, uh, Defender that we launched is a closed dial, also in microblasted titanium, and we are uh, having great success with this. So 
I we'll love see. that watch. I love the orange accent as a Dutchman. So yeah, it's a good one. On topic of that watch that was just in the screen. Yes. Uh, one of the questions that came in is from Gerard Nijmbrings. He is uh, part of the Fratello Watches team, and I know he owns one. Whose brilliant idea was it to leave the Phi model name out of the DAO? And he doesn't say this sarcastically. Okay, so that's good. <laughs> it's good because I'll be very honest. It's a good idea, but it's not my idea. Okay. <laughs> no, but it's. You know what? It was perceived very well by the watch community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Open up the DAO, it's clean, less is more. And uh... that that's exactly what we wanted. Uh, that's exactly what we wanted to do. We wanted to make it a clean, it's, we call it classic. We don't need too many things on it, you know. On yeah. some it makes more sense but here we're talking about the three hands movement with date automatic manufacture movement but there is not much to say so defy is a collection but more than anything it's a zenith watch and this is what we um, we wanted to express simply so so maybe for our viewers if you have uh, feedback for julian send Please. what colors you want next do you want the fire or not on the dial so thank you Hirat, for your question um watch for rocky he's the leader of the watch four crew big crew yeah. of watch lovers in holland he's asking on youtube any plans for a new revival model uh yes uh watch for rocky is a uh, i like the name uh, obviously we're gonna have more because we need to uh give tribute to the past and this giving tribute to the past is giving us also um, the possibility to make contemporary watches like the DeFi 21 you saw. So we will continue, of course, we will have the icons, uh, Zenith icons program. We will launch some new revival uh, on different shapes. Uh, and I'm thinking uh, another watch, I cannot tell you, otherwise my product team will kill me, but uh, next year we should be able, end of next year, we should be able to launch a very uh, typical watch from the 70s, which is a crazy Zenith watch. And uh, you should be blown away, believe me. Uh, remember that, and uh, we talk again. Maybe a little hint. We already had two um, novelties launched on the Ace List series. So, uh, yeah. color, color, something, shape of case. What can you share? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we'll have a good rhythm of a couple of models per year launched like that. Um, because you know, the one you're wearing on the on the right, your shadow, is 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 not a revival we inspired from the past and we made this this watch the revival is is a watch that's very very close to the um, to the original one and yeah. that icons is is a, is a third category so we will have um of course their colors their shapes uh you wouldn't imagine but when we did the research uh for the anniversary to celebrate we found a few good things including this dial but we also found things that we will not, of course, unveil now, and we keep for later. It's uh, it's it's not only Charles Vermeer's hidden treasure; it's Zenith treasure that's not uncovered yet. So we have quite a few good surprises for you. Yeah, awesome. This is uh, Mr. William Marug, big collector. Yeah, beautiful manufacture edition. He's writing on YouTube, loves it. He owns two El Primero chronographs. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing, William. Keep it up and uh come see the new collection as well you'll be blown away another watch for crew this is melvin is there a watch complication not in the current zenith lineup that you really want to create in the near future and why he's asking on youtube 
Um, that's a great question, of course. Uh, being recognized as the master of chronometry, uh, I would be lying if I don't tell you that we are working on going further than the hundred of a second, which is from a, from a scientist, from an engineer, from a watchmaking point of view, totally crazy. But we are working on improving this. Uh, we are working on improving, of course, the regulating organ. And you are showing right now the inventor, which is a great illustration. Uh, and we will also introduce more uh, traditional complications that are not currently in the, complication, in the um, collection, but that we, we master and we know how to do. I'm thinking perpetual calendar. I'm thinking annual calendar. I'm thinking um, uh, simple tourbillon, because now we have the fusée chain as well as the uh, double tourbillon and, of course, the zero gravity. And here you're talking super high-end complications like this one, um, which is this one is, by the way, a world premiere because hundred of a second chronograph with the double tourbillon is, is something quite uh, acceptable. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yes, of course, we have this complication coming, uh, coming on board in the, in the next years. Yeah. Amazing. So in the time being, Girard uh, heard the reply and thanks you. So thank, thank you for your, for your question. Uh, by the way, uh, their founder is on our show coming Thursday, so at 3 o'clock. So that's going to be fun. Um, let me see. We have here Mr. Watch again asking, we see that watches are getting smaller. What's your opinion on the ideal watch size? And is yeah. Zenith adjusting to this trend? Good question. Well, it's been, yeah, it's a great question because, honestly, it's been a never-ending uh, debate. I mean... Since I'm in the watch industry, I always, always heard this debate. Uh, when I was in America, people say in America, we need big watches. Then I went to Asia and I was told um, the opposite about Japanese or Chinese. Then we could see that this Asian population, they started to like big watches. So I think um, we need to be comfortable uh, playing with the two sizes. And you know, um, a watch like the Shadow that you're wearing, Alan, uh, was never, ever redone since the 70s in the original size. It was done by one of my predecessors in a larger size, but uh, keeping exactly the same proportions like this one has never been done. I believe I want to go very close to the original one, so that's why we launched it this way. But it doesn't prevent me, and you're, you have only two wrists, Alan, so you cannot put more watches, but uh, you, are, you are answering the question. You know, you have a small one, 37, and you have a big one, 44. So I'm, I'm personally very comfortable to play with tradition to the past, to innovation, the future, as well as smaller and bigger. I mean, it's part of the world. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm very here. You have an example of a very big watch, which is a pilot. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I will not follow trend. I will make sure we offer uh, watches of different uh, size uh, to please our clients. That's Thank really what we discuss. Yeah. Thank you for answering that. My pleasure. Um, watch for Melf is asking another one. Can you elaborate on the star and the Zenit brand name? What's the original? Does it represent something special? I think you answered that due to lack of time. I can give a, comp uh, a compliment to the answer. Please. Uh, which is interesting. You know, our founder name uh, was Georges Favre Jaco. And for quite a few years, the brand was called Georges Favre Jaco. Uh, until a day where uh, the, the story tells, I was not there to check, but the story says that uh, he was uh, walking by from um, uh, the office, I mean, where, where we are today, huh? we're still in the same place, walking by to his house. Again, if you visit us, I can show you his house as well. 
And he walked there and the sky was very blue. I mean, Swiss mountains during those days, far less pollution than now. So yeah. he was enjoying the, the, the sky and he was dreaming because he was a big passionate of, uh, <laughs> of uh, astronomy. And he, dis- he decided to basically um, name the company after Zenith and Zenith being the highest point in the sky to add the star. And it's actually, he did first a watch model, a movement called Zenith. And that's how he came. And then he, tur- he loved the name so much and he got very good success with that one that he decided to turn it into the brand. So it's purely about um, a philosophy, I would say, of this man thinking about, I want to reach my objective. I want to reach my own star and, and passion about, about everything that was in the sky. So it's, it's not more... Um, uh, yeah, not more crazy than that. It's quite simple, but that that's where it came from. Yes, which is a good story. He had this vision. Yeah, yeah. So one of the questions that was sent to us beforehand is uh, Mr. Young Finsta, also a big collector, has some Zenit watches. Can join live. He's asking, does the yeah. high frequency of thirty-six thousand cause more wear and tear? No, I mean it's been a it's been a great. Uh, I mean, it's been a fantastic movement and uh, we developed it quite fast. So you, we were a bit, I was even myself a bit surprised, but uh, you know, we have people mastering these high frequencies so well that they got very much, um, I would say, trust in their project. And it was new for me because I was not coming from a, from a, a world of high frequency. So I wasn't really sure when I joined in 2017, but I mean, it's been, it's been tested so well and it's, it's a great watch and people actually... Um, uh, not only they love it, not only they enjoy a very good um, quality and reliability, but I would say they people go back to playing with their chronograph. And that's interesting because we all know that we rarely use our chronograph to, to measure how long you have to cook your eggs. You know, uh, it's, it's more about the... <laughs> Nobody does that. You, let's be honest. Brilliant. Sorry to interrupt. You yeah, were talking about the 21, right? The Defy 21. Yes, of course, but I mean the defined talking about the, the people, people play with it because it's fast and it's yeah, fun. He's talking about the, the, the original. So I ah. always say it's 50 sorry, years sorry. tested. So no, but no, no. actually what you're answering about the 21 with the 360,000, that's interesting. Because what you're saying is what I love. It's mesmerizing. I click my chrono and it goes so fast, it hypnotizes me. It's a toy. It's a toy. No, no. no. This, this original movement went through time in such an amazing way. Uh, I have to say, further developments are uh, are, are really being made on, on on the movement, on the chronometry aspect, and and as you said, Defy Twenty One is a great illustration for sure. Yeah. Because you see it visually. Yeah. Thank you for answering that. My pleasure. He also asks: Is the manufacturing a local in these times open for visits for consumers? Or will you wait till social distancing is uh, reduced? No, it is. I mean, uh, we started two years ago uh, being the first manufacturer to open it to public every Friday with the uh, tourism um, office tour, the tourism office in Neuchâtel. And uh, we closed, unfortunately, mid-March, but we reopened uh, in July. So it, it's open now. We keep smaller groups. And we have a few more, I would say, uh, safety measures due to the, the pandemic. Yeah. But it's, it's open and it's full. Yeah, for sure. Amazing. And you can book it either through your website or through us. Exactly. Okay. It's easy. You can book it the day, until the day before. I would advise to book it in advance because it's quite full. 
Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's uh, it's super easy, and uh, and and we can we organize also private tours uh, with with uh, retailers like you or with group of press or on demand. So uh, that's in the pipeline. We we do for many years already manufacturer visits to all the yeah. ones we work with, and uh, we do that. But some people tour Switzerland and they want to go on their own, so that is possible. Um, you know, some people they even send me a message on LinkedIn or on social media to ask me about that. And I, I try to answer to every message and I always find a way to uh, welcome people. So I've, of course you are more than welcome. Perfect, thank you so much. Um, I think we are running out of time, maybe one more. Mr. Watch again, he's a fanatic. Give us some inside information. What was presented to the crowd in Le Locle after your speech last week? <laughs> How come Mr. Watch knows that there was a little secret presented? I don't know. Yeah, I think he, he good information that you received. He needs to be a bit more patient. No, no, no. I, I I'll be um, I'll be quite um, honest. I mean, uh, there were two big launches that were supposed to happen in 2020. Uh, plus all the novelties that you have seen here and there, the shadow, the ultraviolet, etc. Uh, we decided uh, due to the, the environment and the that we didn't have the right conditions to launch these, these two uh, watches. So we keep these for next year. It will be early next year, so you don't have to wait too much. But I would say, if you guess by yourself, we launched DeFi in a very strong way two and a half years ago. We redesigned Elite, which is now super elegant, thin, exactly the way we wanted it to be. Uh, then you have Pilot and Chronomaster. Quite a few revival in Chronomaster, but don't forget that Chronomaster is a super, super important line for us. So there will be new things, obviously, coming in these two lines next year. I, I answer partly to your question. Without Thank you so much. So last one, and then we're going <laughs> to say goodbye. Watch for Melvin saying thank you for your answers. been very interesting. Thank you, Melvin, and everybody for watching. Um, so... Next episode is coming Thursday with the founder of Fratello Watches, Robert Yambour, our friend, Julian. Fantastic. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you very much. It was My a pleasure. amazing session, great fun. I love your energy. I love your passion. Keep up the good work. And we hope to do a show with you when you come to Amsterdam as soon as it's safe to travel again. And merci beaucoup. Alan, thank you very much. Thank you to everyone uh, listening and watching us. It was very interesting to me, you know, because every time you do it, it's a, it's a learning it's a learning uh, moment for me because we hear comments question and it's uh, it's great so i thank everyone uh, for participating and i'm looking forward to seeing you soon thank you very much thank you au revoir bye bye au revoir